There it is. HCC, how you doing? It's so good to see you. I want to welcome you guys here at Victorville. For those of you joining us in Apple Valley, a big hello to you. And for those of you in Hesperia today, we're so glad you're with us. I'm so glad to be back with you today. And what a great job Pastor Tom did last week, continuing in our series. We have been, we're coming to the end of a series that's really been trying to get not just our heads engaged, but get our hands engaged in how we behave, well, towards one another. And the New Testament gives us some real clarity about not just the fact that we are brothers and sisters in the same family of God, but that there's ways that, in a sense, house rules. This is how God's family behaves towards one another. And and for so long, so many like me grew up in churches hearing this word fellowship and just equating it to eating pie. And now realizing, oh, no, no, there's actually this idea of of having this common union and bond is demonstrated best when we live out the one another's towards one another. So we're going to kind of bring that teaching part of our series kind of to an end today. I'll tell you about what we're doing next week in a minute, but we're excited to dive in. If you have a Bible, would you find your way to the book of Galatians? Galatians chapter five is where we'll be. I always use that go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. If you can't find any of those four books, not helpful at all. But if you can find your way there, Galatians five, we'll dive in. If you have your notes, have those ready to go. What this series has been teaching us is that we really were meant for community. We are a family and we often live in our own just kind of rooms and and down the hall from one another. But what we're intended to be is the family of God for those who place their faith in Christ. And we'll talk about this idea of being rebirthed, reborn into a new family. And in that, there's a way that we're to live. and, And within that way of living together, We live in a unique way towards one another. And this last one another we're going to look at today, our series has covered eight of them. It's not every one of the one another's, but this last one is the idea of the call to serve one another, serve one another. It was just a a rich thing for me. I'm in a rooted group right now. And all of our rooted groups, about 700 people doing rooted right now, all of our rooted groups in the last couple of weeks have been really focused on serving, especially out in our community. And my rooted group was at Second Chance Food Bank here in the high desert yesterday. We had such a great time just getting to be the hands and feet of Jesus, meeting people, connecting, being able to just offer uh, resources that would be helpful to them this week. And as we do that, what was so rich is realizing there is just a joy in being able to meet needs in our community. But what's also equally true, the Bible's really clear, there is a joy that we have when we serve according to our gifts towards one another. If you're currently involved in an area of serving here at HCC, I think this message is really gonna affirm you. You're gonna feel like, this this is why I do this. I'm getting a, a better clarity. And for those that are not, I'm just gonna shoot this over the bow from the very beginning. My real goal this weekend is to help you get connected. Not just to hear another message about serving one another, but literally go outside to the ministry fair at your campus and find a way to get involved and get plugged in and serving. So let's dial in and we'll take a look together. If your Bible's open to Galatians 5, here's number one in our notes today as we kick in. Serving one another is an expression of freedom, not bondage. Serving one another is an expression of freedom, not bondage. We usually don't think of serving and freedom together, but this passage from Galatians is gonna tell us otherwise. We pick it up in chapter five, verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free 
but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, and here it is, serve one another humbly in love. We've looked at this book of Galatians earlier in this series when we talked about the idea of bear one another's burdens. And we look to it again now a chapter earlier in chapter five, and we need to be reminded of the context of the book. This is one of the most corrective letters that Paul writes to a church. And he, what he's correcting is a huge fallacy. And that was, they had responded to the gospel. They believed that Jesus was the one of a kind savior of the world. But the problem is they wanted to add him to religious regulations, meaning that Jesus is great, but it's Jesus plus these rules that make you right with God. And they had combined faith with a sense of religious do-gooding to somehow be right enough before God. And Paul says, you've completely missed the point. Jesus completely fulfilled the law on our behalf. We never could. And it's putting your faith in him and walking according to the spirit that really is where new life is found. Not just in adding Jesus to religious regulations you already have. But this is the interesting thing that Paul knew. Paul knew our human nature really well, partly because he was one of us. And he knew that we tend to pendulum swing. So if you have a group of people who are, are living according to religious regulations and throwing Jesus in the mix, when Paul says that they're free, rather than coming back to a place of balance, they were going to probably overshoot. And so he warns them in this newfound freedom that you have in Christ, don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use your freedom to do the things that these religious rules were trying to curb against before. Now instead, use that freedom, here's balance, to actually give yourself away, to serve your brothers and your sisters. This is what freedom is for and to do that in humility and love. You see, watch this, the motivation had shifted. They might've done things to serve one another before, but it was again because they were somehow trying to earn righteousness from God. Instead, Paul says, You've already, you don't need to earn anything. Jesus did it for you. But in living out your faith, now that motivation from do-gooding to somehow please God now changes to doing good for your brothers and sisters because your heavenly Father has told you so. This is how the family of God functions. So it's a really cool concept for us, whether you are struggling with the same thing the Galatians did or not, now the reality is to understand, remember these one another's are not suggestions. Every single one of them is an imperative verb, a second person plural written to y'all. And it's saying we are called, we're directed to serve one another, not just a few of us, but everyone who puts their faith in Christ. So, that calling is really important to understand, but it's not as though God says, just go and serve. He actually tells us, but I've actually shaped, designed, equipped you uniquely to contribute to the body of Christ. And that's what we wanna look at next. Number two in your notes, followers of Jesus have been supernaturally shaped by the spirit to serve God's family. Followers of Jesus have been supernaturally shaped by the spirit to serve God's family. And so let's talk about this design and the way that God's uniquely built you. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. So there's that call again, and it's talking about gifts now as faithful stewards or managers of God's grace in its various forms. 
This is what we talk about. We call these spiritual gifts. And if you've been in church for a while, you've heard that phrase at one time or another. If this is a relatively new thing you're journeying into, it might be completely brand new. But let me create a baseline for us so we understand the call to serve is there, but how now the rest of the New Testament is going to help fill in those blanks. John chapter three, Jesus is talking with a religious leader named Nicodemus and he tells him something that blew Nicodemus's mind. He said, you must be born again. You must be birthed into a new family, a a family different than the way you came into this world as a physical being. There's a spiritual rebirth that is required. And in this rebirthing, a few things happen. We become members of the family of God, just like you would become a member of the family to which you belong today. It, It began at a point, we actually call it a birthday. So a point in time when you are birthed into the family of God and you belong. But a few things happened at that same moment besides now being a brother or a sister to to spiritual siblings. The reality is you are also gifted by God, uniquely gifted by the spirit to serve your brothers and sisters. And the other thing with that is that the indwelling spirit of God, the Bible says that the spirit of God lives inside. His presence is in you once you place your faith in Christ. So you have a lot going on at that spiritual birth and they really apply to our our topic today of serving one another because the reality is, is that you have been built to serve. So let me give you an overview of what we say when we, what we mean when we say spiritual gifts. Look in your notes. First of all, spiritual gifts are undeserved. That's the whole concept, right, of a gift is that it's something that you receive. And what's interesting about these gifts, by the way, you think about just again, back to a birthday idea, though some might feel obligated to give you a birthday gift. The reality is, is that you're receiving that out of their grace. They're simply doing that for you, giving that to you, maybe to honor in that case a birthday. Secondly, spiritual gifts are designed to serve others. This is what makes spiritual gifts different from the other types of gifts that you receive. When you receive a gift from somebody, they're often for the purpose of you to enjoy. I received this gift and I'm gonna enjoy what it does. Maybe it's a gift card to go spend here or there, or maybe it's a a physical thing that I can put to use today. It's a hobby that I enjoy, whatever it may be. Spiritual gifts are different though, because when we receive these gifts from the indwelling spirit, they're actually given with the sole purpose of giving them away, using them to benefit and bless other people around us. So not only are they undeserved, but they have an outward facing focus. They're not for me to better me. They're actually to bless you. That's how this works. So it's a very, that gift concept is very inverted in our minds because we think of gifts in such a self-focused way so often. This is really different. Third, spiritual gifts are effective. Spiritual gifts are effective. Now we hear that and we kind of go, well, what do you mean? Like, what if I am not very good at what I'm gifted in doing? And the reality is the reason that your spiritual gifts are effective is because of the source. They come from the spirit of God. Almighty God himself, his spirit resides in you and empowers you to serve according to the way that you're designed, the way that you're shaped. So it's not about your level of competence, it's about the level of God's power which is unleashed 
It's exciting. When you think of the former covenant in the Old Testament, it was not common that the Spirit of God came upon people like it is now in the New. But we read of these great stories of times when the Spirit of God came uniquely upon like a judge, a guy like Gideon. Gideon was understandably afraid of the Midianites who were all over just infesting the land. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he took a small band of soldiers and completely wiped out thousands. That was the Spirit of God working through him. Another judge that you might know better than him is a guy named Samson. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and gave him amazing supernatural strength. And when you look over the course of the book of Judges, what it seems like Samson did most was simply stir the pot. The guy was amazing at making Philistines really mad and ultimately bringing God's judgment on them. And then later in the Old Testament, you have the spirit of the Lord coming mightily upon a teenage boy who was anointed to be the second king of Israel. And it was the spirit of God that allowed David to conquer a giant. It was the spirit of God that allowed David to become king and to lead well. It was the spirit of God that gave David a heart after God's own. What I want you to hear is this same spirit Spirit of the living God that came upon these wonderful characters in our Bible, your Bible says indwells you. That's a powerful thing to consider. And therefore, what the gifts of the Spirit are, are gifts that are effective because it's the Spirit who gives them. Finally, number four in this section, the fourth bullet, spiritual gifts bring the body of Christ a greater sense of oneness. Spiritual gifts bring the body of Christ a greater sense of oneness. Here's the reality. Gifts are very diverse. That's the beautiful thing is that we don't all have the same kind of gift. And I believe that God is so sovereign, so strategic in what he does in a local church that he brings people of unique gifts for unique seasons to serve diversely. But in the diversity of our gifts, watch this, the beauty is that we're not all designed the same way because we complement one another. Where I am weak, you are strong. And we bring that variety of gifts together for the same common purpose. Why? Because they come from the same common God. The church at Corinth struggled with a lot of things related to gifts, and so Paul devotes three chapters of this letter to them related to spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, verse four, there are different kinds of gifts. So Paul's saying there's a lot of diversity in the gifts, but watch, but the same spirit. They all emanate from the same place. There are different kinds of service, different ways to apply those gifts within ministry context, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God who works all of them in all men. So I love that. So what what the point is, what Paul's trying to help is this church was struggling with the diversity, created division, where he would say the diversity should actually create unity, should breed oneness within your body because you're appreciative that other people are gifted in ways you are not. And here's the reality. When you think about spiritual gifts, recognize that's the spirit of God living in you that knows the totality of who you are, knows all about your story, was the very one who created you at the beginning. So this spirit of God uniquely places gifts in you that are perfectly fit for your design, for the person of who you are. They're not randomly just distributed 
but again, sovereignly placed in the right place in the way that you are. I love this. You can tell I get pretty amped up about spiritual gifts because I feel like it provides people a sense of purpose and meaning that they are losing in their lives. They don't understand. And what a beautiful thing when you realize I was built to serve and I was built to serve this way. So if we understand that there's a call to serve and if we understand that we've been equipped to serve, why don't we just go do it? Like period. Like let's do a really short message today. Let's just do points one and two and just go done. That's it, we should go, I'm ready, let's do it. Well, the problem that we can't move forward is that because we obviously aren't all doing that. We haven't all either recognized that there is a call to serve or we haven't recognized what our gifts are or we haven't found a place specifically within High Desert Church to serve. And so what that would mean is that there's things in the way, there's barriers that keep us from simply doing a very basic thing that the New Testament describes that was very well understood but easily misunderstood. So let's take a look finally in this last place today. What are the obstacles in your notes? There are obstacles that keep you from engaging your gifts. There are obstacles that keep you from, that can keep you from engaging your gifts. First Peter 4.10, we read a minute ago. Let me read that and the verse that follows. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. Again, this beautiful understanding. I've received a gift so I can put it in motion to serve you as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Watch, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very word of God or the words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Now watch, here's what I call these purpose statements in the Bible. They tell us, well, what's the why? So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever Amen. So here's the greater context of a verse we looked at a moment ago. There are, by the way, four significant passages in the New Testament related to our better understanding of spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, and 1 Peter 4. I can remember that with 12s and 4s. It helps me out. These are the four main places you'll find in the New Testament that give us an understanding of spiritual gifts. So as as Peter is writing to a church is in the same region that Paul wrote, the church at Galatia, Peter is saying, hey, you already know that your giftedness is not for yourself, but did you know that in your giftedness that is to serve other people, it's even bigger than that. It's even more significant than the fact that other people are blessed through you. That last phrase, so that when we use God's gifts to bless other people in his family, God gets the credit. The spotlight shines on him all the brighter. And it totally makes sense. Here is God the Father who has brought children into his family, brothers and sisters, and as they relate to each other, recognize that they all have a dependence upon him, but yet he's equipped them to actually meet one another's needs in all kinds of ways. He's actually given us purpose of why we do community together and how we can actually meet the needs of others rather than everything having to come directly from him, they come from his people. It's a powerful concept. And within that whole, when we play our role in that bigger piece, 
God gets greater praise. God is in the spotlight and it grows because it shows, look how the family he's designed and look at how they use their gifts and meet each other's needs. So it's a powerful concept as we process that idea of what does this whole thing look like and how do I put those into motion? When we use God's gifts the right way, man, not only does he get great praise, but everyone is blessed as a result. But watch this, when we don't, we get off the rails really quick. And these are some of the obstacles that we talked about that get in the way. The first one in your notes, churches have consumers who need to become contributors. Churches have consumers who need to become contributors. Think of it this way. I don't know if you can remember back four years ago when you used to go to a place called the mall. I know you do all your shopping dropped at your doorstep now, so you don't even know what that is. But if you can remember such a thing, a lot of stores, one big roof, and you remember going to the mall, imagine going to the mall and as you're walking through those sliding doors, you are there with purpose and intent. And it is to buy stuff. Stuff you need, stuff you want, stuff for others in your family, whatever it may be. But you go to the mall with the purpose of, I'm trying to acquire things that I want or need. Can you imagine, even for a minute, walking into a mall and actually the thing on your brain is looking around, who can I serve today? If you did that today, if you went to the Victor Valley Mall and you walked in with that intent, guaranteed it would draw attention probably the kind that would get you kicked out. Because they're like, no, 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 it's people behind the desk who are paid to serve. Everyone else is here to get stuff. And, and that we get that. It kind of makes sense in, in that context, but watch. But you are consumer-minded as just literally a member of Southern California. This is the way we think. This is the way we roll. And when you talk about it related to the marketplace, that's one thing, but watch. When you talk about it related to the way we approach church, it's a big problem. When you walk onto any one of our campuses and you come for the purpose of what can I get for me and my family and watch this and once I get it, I'm out. We've got a real problem. Watch, not because that frustrates me, but that goes squarely against what the New Testament teaches. That we actually are people built to meet needs and serve one another, not simply to come, get, and go. Might be fine at the mall. It doesn't work at the local church. And the problem is you've been ingrained with this thinking again and again. Right? And, if you're, and if you're saying, Todd, no, no, not me, I'm not a consumer, I'm just gonna say, have you lived in a cave for the last 50 years? Okay, because every time you turn on the TV, every time you scroll through your social media, you are getting things, stimuli that are telling you about things you didn't know you needed, but now you must have. Last night, I'm just scrolling through social media and I see this really cool tabletop game of like an air hockey thing with the, and I, I need this. I didn't know it existed before I saw it, but now I must have it. That's a problem. And it's like asking a fish if it's wet when it comes to the idea of asking you if you're a consumer. You just are. And so the reality is, how do I begin to break that mindset, not only in other areas of my life, but especially as I think about my role within a local church like HDC? Add to it, 
the problem that the pandemic brought upon us brought lots of problems. But one of those is this, if we're calling people to serve and yet for an extended amount of time for months on end, not just at High Desert Church, but down the hill at a church called Trinity where I was serving, if the only people serving during that time were ministry staff who were running things on videos and trying to get stuff out to you to encourage you, guess what? You had no ability to find a role to serve in when church for you was turning on a computer or the TV and watching while you're making breakfast in your jammies. I'm not critical of anything. That's just what it was. But it set us backwards related to people engaging their gifts because there was no need to use them. There's an incredible need now. And can I just tell you, it is really easy to define and really easy to defend that the greatest need that High Desert Church has right now, and it has not changed in the last couple of years since we've been back together, is people serving according to their gifts. Nothing's even a close second. That's it. And I'm so grateful for those of you who through the pandemic and now are serving and using your gifts. But I just wanna to say to those of you who are serving pre-pandemic and you haven't found a way, you haven't found the motivation, you haven't found the connection, fill in the blank, I don't care what it is. But I'm just gonna exhort you today, would you go out to the ministry fair and would you find a way to serve? Maybe it's in the same field, the same ministry area you served before, maybe it's something new. Maybe in the last couple of years, you're new to High Desert Church and it wasn't about where you were serving here before, you've never served here before. But can I say, not only because we have a great need for people to use their gifts in ministry, you have a great need to understand your purpose and find meaning in life. I want that deeply for you. And these things all come together when we say, God, I wanna be obedient to your word and one of your callings, directives on my life is that we would serve one another. The next bullet in your notes, another obstacle is that we covet the spotlight gifts. We cover what I, covet what I call the spotlight gifts. The idea of, of believers dividing over giftedness is nothing new. Like I said, that's why Paul needed to devote such a chunk of 1 Corinthians to the idea of gifts because they were so confused in how they were misapplying them. And what should have brought unity was causing great division. And here was one of the reasons why, is that people coveted the gifts they didn't have. Interestingly enough, they didn't want gifts of giving and mercy and, and service. That wasn't what they were clamoring for. Then they were clamoring for sign gifts. Uh, God, I wanna have a gift in such a way that shows off your supernatural power in a pow kind of way. And while that may be a thing that people still covet and clamor for today, I think what's even greater in our Christian world, our subculture, is people clamoring for stage gifts. God, I wanna be in a place where what I do can be seen by lots of people. God, I wanna be in a place where I can have a lot of influence. I wanna be in a place where I can be known. And the problem is, is that we keep feeding all these same things. We again are creatures of our culture, a culture who loves to make idols of people and people who are gifted the most or more than us. We put up on these pedestals and say, man, that's who I want to watch. That's who I want to listen to. That's who I want to be led by. And as a result, not only do we minimize the giftedness that's right here among us, but we begin to celebrate people's gifts far more than they were ever meant to be celebrated. 
Remember, gifts were never supposed to be about us. They were supposed to be about others. This creates a real problem, and, and the text tells us, Romans helps us greatly with this understanding. Romans chapter 12, verse three, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. So look in the mirror and have a clear understanding of how God has designed you in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you, meaning different faith, different distribution. For just as each one of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Look at this, we have different gifts, what? According to the grace given to each of us, uniquely gifted not only with certain gifts to what capacity? If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love so much a book that I read during what I call HDC 1.0 that was so helpful for me trying to understand even my own ambitions called Rescuing Ambition by Dave Harvey, he writes this, wherever there's a gift, there's a limit. What I found is that recognizing the limits of my gifts actually frees me from the head-banging burden of trying to do something God hasn't intended for me. I love that book and I love that quote because it helps me realize, God, you've gifted me to a certain capacity. I'm accountable to manage and steward that gift accordingly, but I'm not responsible for more. I'm not responsible for less. I'm responsible for this. I don't know if you've ever experienced this in a team dynamic, because I think this is when it changes. When we become content with the way God's gifted us and not coveting someone else's gifts, it's like when you were on a team. I played on a lot of athletic teams growing up. Here's a total thing you would never have expected. I was never the best athlete on any team I played on. I know you're looking at me like, that's crazy talk. He's amazing. No, I really wasn't ever. But what would happen is I'm on my team and I'm watching someone take a three-point shot that was beautifully timed just when we needed it. Or I watched somebody at third base make a great grab and throw somebody out at first. And I could sit there and marvel and go, I'm so glad I get to be on their team. Wouldn't that be the same way we'd see it with these people who are especially gifted? God, I'm so grateful I get to be on his team her team, because we're all on Jesus's team. And that's what matters most. If it's not stage gifts that people are coveting, it seems to be leadership. Because in our culture, leadership has been equated with perks. You get these things, you get this status, you get this salary, fill in the blank because you have a high leadership role. You know, it's interesting in the first century, I don't think people were necessarily craving and coveting that gift because leaders got picked off and thrown in jail. It was not the gift it is today. And so as a result, we get very uncomfortable with our own, discontented with our own giftedness because we want those. Now, can I talk about the irony in the room? Here's a guy on stage who's in a leadership role telling you not to covet my gifts. That's pretty silly. And I totally admit it. But can I say this? It was a lot of what God was doing in my own soul when I was finishing my time down the hill in Redlands 
taking me out to the shed and teaching me about my gifts and where my value comes from and it's not from them. And I'm so grateful for that, a good butt kicking that I needed. But as a result, I can talk to you from a whole different level than I could a couple of years ago and I'm grateful for that. Let's lead to our final set, number three, I think, or the third bullet in this sequence, the challenge of not finding the right fit. This is another problem. We feel like I'm gonna put myself out there, but I'm gonna fail. I'm gonna put myself out there and it's not gonna go well, and that's gonna be a problem. First Corinthians 12, 20, as it is, there are many parts, but one body. How do you know it, what your gifts are and then how to put them into motion in the best way? And I would simply say this, I told you how many people are going through Rooted. We're going through two chapters that are all built around this idea of understanding your gifts and service. And what happened was everyone going through Ruta was sent out a spiritual gifts inventory that helped them better understand the way they've been shaped to serve. The great thing about that inventory is it stays in our church database so we even have that connected for future reference. It's a real win. You might walk out today and you might say, that's really a first step. I've got to understand how God has gifted me so I can put it into motion. Others of you would go, I'm pretty aware. I'm just afraid I'm going to fail. I'm afraid it's not gonna go well. I'm afraid I'm not gonna be good working with this group of people or I'm not gifted enough. And can I just say this? I loved when I'd hear Pastor Tom say this for years. God doesn't need to help give any steering or direction to a car that's parked. It's not going anywhere. And so where it all begins, where it's begun in my life, I told our last service how much I appreciated this example by my parents growing up. They were always involved in areas of ministry that were connected to their giftedness. And they'd not only demonstrated that to my brother and I, but they called us into the same thing. And from the time I was in the seventh grade until now, I've always found some kind of role to serve according to my gifts. That's all it does, it just begins somewhere. It takes that step, that foot forward, and then allows God to direct. And so I would say today, as you go out there, we're ending our service intentionally short. If you have kids in our kids programming, they're gonna have programming for another 15 minutes, so there's no rush. Go to our ministry fair, check out a way that you can get involved. Take that spiritual gifts inventory if you need to. What they're gonna do is they're gonna direct you to do this. It's up on the screen and in your notes. Text the word serve to 64567. That begins the process so we can follow up with you and find the best fit so you can put your gifts to use to bless other people and to give great praise to God. Let me pray. Father God, we say thank you so much that you have so wisely built this system, built this family where you've called us in as your children and as brothers and sisters and even given us gifts to be able to serve and meet others' needs. Thank you for that whole ecosystem that you put together that functions so well. And when we mess it up, God help us to get redirected and get back on the right track. You may be here today and as you hear this talk about being in God's family, being spiritually reborn, you would have to say, you know, I know some things about God and I attend church occasionally, but I've never made that decision. I've never put my faith in Christ. I've never responded to the invitation in the gospel. I have great news for you today. You can right now. Would you A, admit that you're a sinner who needs a savior? Would you B, believe 
that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the only Savior available. Would you see choose? Choose to say, Jesus, I put my confidence in who you are and what you've done at the cross to make me right with God. I want to live the rest of my life following your example. What a great day, your spiritual birthday, when you respond to the gospel and place your faith in Christ. Don't let another day go by. See what it is to be filled by the spirit we talked about today. See what it is to be recognized you've been built to serve and how exciting to get to follow Jesus all the way home. Father, we love you. Thank you so much for a weekend dedicated to understanding our gifts, understanding where they can be applied. And God, would great things happen over the next few weeks and months as we put these gifts in motion. We love you and pray in Jesus' great name, amen.